I must admit, all those different times were intriguing, confusing, <laughs> exciting, and we finally got the truth. Just give me a few seconds to bring this up to make sure we're all on the right track here. Nelly there, that's good. Are we up on the screen? We are indeed. And uh, just so you know what he's talking about up the back, we have all sorts of books and DVDs, and I'll try to mention those uh, as part of the illustrations of what we are doing. But again, as we always start, creationresearch.net, you'll see probably two of our leading figures there. Not the guy in the middle, by the way. He's one of our deadheads. Uh, we've got the bloke on the left, that's me. Uh, is that how you see it? Yes, the bloke on the left, that's right. And uh, the bloke on the right, who's young Joe, he's been here as well, both by video and Zoom, as well as by uh, being here live quite a few years ago now, just before the country sort of locked up. Okay, Bible reading. Do you like reading the Word of God? Amen. Yes, me too. Even when I don't understand it, can you discipline yourself to continue to read and say, Lord, I haven't got a clue sometimes what this is about. Please teach me. This is one of my favourite ones. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy way, Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Hmm. Anyone know where it comes from? Good, good, good. I always encourage people to learn this section and learn it off by heart because a continuation from where we were going in the first session, don't be surprised, there will come a time when the Bible is a banned book over here. I've been to many countries where for 40, 50 years it was banned and now the Lord has opened them up and blessed them with the freedom to read it and it's encouraging to see the Christians grabbing hold of that whereas previously they had to secretly read it. Now we are going the other direction. You see, the key theme of our service this morning is in all your ways, not just in some of them, in all your ways, not just in a part of your life, then in all your ways acknowledge Jesus. And he will, not just maybe, he will, not just possibly, he will direct your paths. Okay, I mentioned in the first service, our beloved Premier has announced that there's going to be all sorts of flexibility in your birth certificate. If you want to be a boy, you can be one, even if you're a girl. If you want to be transgender, you can actually get it listed on your birth certificate. If you want to have two dads, it can go on your birth certificate. How do you handle this? In fact, do you recognise that flag? It's not the Christian flag, is it? In fact, it's not even the flag that most of you Aussies grew up under. Um, what flag is it? Well, it's not officially any flag yet, but it's becoming more and more official as one group in particular pushes for power behind their positions of authority. Yes, you have to give them praise for being skillful enough to actually get into positions where they can begin lobbying this. I remember Jesus praised the unworthy steward who thought of himself when he cancelled the bills to some of his debtors. Well, these people certainly have worked hard to get into positions of power. But it actually is the gay flag, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, but there's a question. You see, when you study the word of God, you need to know what the word means. But when you're dealing with the world, you need to know what they mean by their words or you'll be on two different planets. Now, most of the Christians I ask, what does gay mean? They're still thinking of, you know, we're having a gay Paris or there's a girl called gay. Now, that word gay is, is the old-fashioned one. In fact, I'd hate to be a girl with a name 
gay at the present time, it'd be almost an embarrassment. Gay? Well, gay means good as you. It's an acronym. Now, do you understand what's going on here? For many, many years, I mean, my dad told me that in World War II, they would sort of take the gay men out, they didn't have that word then, and they would beat them up and knock them into shape. Now today, if you tried that, you'd be beaten up yourself by the jail system, by the penalty system. So they wanted to be as good as everybody else. A six-coloured rainbow. If you don't believe me, go to the web shops. Okay, show your true what? Good, you know the word that's missing off there. Show your true colours. Gay means good as you. There's a six-banded rainbow. And, of course, the rainbow is based on whose invention? Our God. You read about the rainbow in the, the, all the literature on the earth. The oldest and first mention of the rainbow happens to be in the book of Genesis. It's got quite a lot of firsts, and don't be surprised, it was the first lot of things that actually happened. The first man, the first woman, the first heavens, the first earth, and the first flood, the first rain, and the first rainbow. And it's got seven colours in it. Now, I don't know about you, but I like taking pictures. Aren't they interesting, by the way? Rainbows are fascinating. I, I really like being out when a rainbow comes out because I'm a bit of a nature freak and I like to notice all the things that are happening. And in fact, next time you have a storm and a rainbow, storm followed by rainbow, good parallel, hey? A uh, good contrast there. Uh, keep your ears open for the birds because they chirp like crazy. They really delight when the rainbow comes out and the storm is over. All right? How good are your eyes? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Study to show yourself approved. Um, seek and it shall be granted to you. Um, how many double rainbows have you seen in your life? They're not all that common to most people. Well, to be honest, most people aren't even looking. I've seen only once a four-part rainbow. Um, question. Are you thinking? Jesus said you love me with your brains, which means you will think by the way, believing is easy compared to thinking. Have you noticed that? Um, blind faith is mindless. Christian faith is not blind, it's fact-based. And therefore Jesus said you will think about what you are believing. What's different about the second rainbow? See the really bright one? Yes, that's not touched up. That's what I saw in the sky. The, the sun's over there. Have you noticed the sun's always directly opposite where the rainbow is? Yeah, it's, it's a very important observation. Look at the second rainbow. It's actually reversed. Did you notice that? Yeah, the colours are in reverse. They actually come from the same raindrops because there are several lots of insides that you can get reflection from in a raindrop. And one will give you the right side up, the normal one, and the other will turn it upside down. And how many colours? Well, count them. There's seven. Uh, if you can't see it on that one, because I had enough trouble this morning, when you're up close like I was, you can actually see the seven colours. Um, did you remember learning them off by heart at school? Uh, well, no, most people can't remember what they learned at school, whether they did that or not. But when you have a look at the gay shirts, there's what they've got. Six colours. Seven colours in God's rainbow, six colours in the gay shirt. Do you realise... When you have a look at the evidence around you, uh, what did Jesus say? You'll be judged by the words out of your own mouth. Seven in God's rainbow. And don't be surprised, there's seven in God's number, isn't there? 
Seven is actually regarded as God's number. It's God's number of rest. And seven is associated with Noah, and Noah's name means rest. Hey, what's some, what connections there are in Scripture? And the rainbow is first associated with what event? Noah's flood. And God gave a brilliant sign that even the birds respond to. The animals delight in rainbows, and you do too, even if you're not a Christian. You say, wow, what a light show. That's great. And what you should say, what a reminder of what God has done. Oh, here's a question. What colour is missing in the gay rainbow? You know, isn't it amazing? Um, you only get the answers to the questions that you ask. And if you don't ask the right questions, don't expect the right answers. Okay? And if you ask the wrong questions, never expect the right answer. And that's how the devil does it. He gets you sidetracked with totally wrong questions. And I mean, go and have a look at Buddhism. Go and have a look at Hinduism. You can sit there saying, what is the sound of one hand clapping? What is the sound? You can ask that question for a million years. There's no answer to that question. It's a total sidetrack and the devil knows it and he ties up your brain until you concentrate on nothing. You will love me with your heart, your soul and your mind. So no apologies. My job today as the preacher is to make you think. Yes, I know we could have a much more exciting time if we had sort of hallelujahs and claps and we were up and down dancing around. But my job is to make you think, to think like Jesus thought. Oh, the answer? Inigo is missing. And now that's not a colour you normally come across, is it? Oh, it's very real. Um, in fact, when somebody asked me recently, what do you think this means? Because I'd mentioned that this is the colour that's missing. And in, in folklore... Now, that doesn't give it any scriptural authority, but in folklore, all of these colours have meanings. And most of the native religions concentrate on the meaning of amethyst or the meaning of the purple colour in amethyst, or inigo, or brown. What does that mean? Well, the answer is inigo means wisdom. Come on, can you get it yet? Guess what the homosexual lobby is missing? Wisdom. Uh, hung, drawn and quartered out of their own mouth. That's why Jesus said, you'll be judged by the words out of your own mouth. It also means that uh, when you look at this, the Lord gives wisdom. Do you realise you get a PhD from university? You may get a job as a result, but you only get wisdom from the Lord. And you may not have a PhD, but be wiser than some of the smartest PhDs I've ever met. In fact, I came across one lady who was working as a janitor and as I sort of began this debate, ended up having a debate, she hung up around the back listening to this university debate. And uh, when I'd finished, she just went up to the professor and she sort of hugged him. <laughs> I st still remember it. And she said, I want to tell you about Jesus. I didn't have wisdom to debate the guy. I mean, he lost the debate hands down. But he was broken to the point where her testimony, non-PhD, non-high school, it was just a valuable, valid, wonderful exercise of the Christian faith. The Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So if you don't understand something and God wants you to, can I recommend one thing? You get on your knees and say, Jesus, I'm stuck. Jesus, I need some brains here, bigger than mine. I need some wisdom. Um, can anybody finish off the next part of the New Testament verse? If any of you lack wisdom, ask. That's, that, that, by the way, doesn't say only Dave. It, it doesn't say pastor. It doesn't say professor. 
Any of you can ask for wisdom. In fact, you, you really do need it. I need it because we're facing circumstances we've never seen before in the history of man. Okay? If you want wisdom to deal with the gay issue, you'd better get some wisdom to deal with God's issues. What does God's bow mean? What did he send it for? He sent it at the end of the flood, correct? And doesn't the Bible say in Genesis chapter 2, it had not rained yet? And doesn't it say in Peter that Peter and that Noah and the others saw things that had never happened before? Can you imagine growing up in a world where it didn't rain? No, no cost for raincoats. Don't have to spend money on umbrellas. And then all of a sudden it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. What's this stuff? And as the water comes up, what do you think it's doing? That'll be the question you ask last because you drown. God had warned them. You needed wisdom to listen to him, to take notice. And at the end of the flood, and remember Noah's name, it meant rest. And there's a lot more tied up in the names of many ancient cultures than there are in our culture today. So ask, why did God use Noah? Not just because he trusted him, but he'd been given this name when he was born. His grandfather saw what was coming. His father, Lamech, etc., actually saw this stuff. They could see the judgment that was coming because the world was evil and people were not taking any notice of the Creator who had the right to tell them what was wrong. I've mentioned that a few times, haven't I? Can I encourage you to catch hold of it? God does have the right to tell us what is wrong and we need to listen. They didn't. God wiped them out. Yep, to a man, to a child, to a lady, uh, to a boy, to a girl. God's bow means? Well, God's bow means one thing, that you can have rest only in his way of salvation. That's why over in the New Testament, it uses Noah as an example, as an example of God's rest in him, as an example of someone who was saved when everybody else perished. And it also means one thing about the gays. They are falling short of God. Isn't that a New Testament verse? Isn't there a verse about we are all sinners and we all fall short of God's glory? Somewhere in the book of Romans? I don't know about you, but sometimes I have trouble with those, where those verses are. But I'm pretty good at memorising the verse. And I'll tell you what, you need to memorise where it comes from too. God's standards are there and we all fall short. You all need rest. The gays need rest. They need Christ as Saviour just like you did. I think I've shared with you before about a, a lesbian girl in a university and I shared the gospel with her, but how we got there was intriguing. She came up to me after a lecture, a university lecture, and said, what right have you got to condemn me as being a lesbian? Now, I'll be honest, I hadn't even mentioned lesbianism. I just mentioned the evidence for creation. And you can see where it went. If there is a God, then he's got the right to tell me what's wrong. Uh-oh, something's wrong here. I, I don't want to feel this. That's natural. God says he stamped his nature through the whole of creation and it can be seen and it can be understood and any of you who deny it are lying to yourself and lying to others and all of a sudden the veil was taken off her eyes. She could see what I'm doing is wrong. So I'll attack this guy. What right have you got to tell me I'm doing the wrong thing? Now you could actually say, well homosexuality is awful. Homosexuality spreads disease. Homosexuality, lesbianism, etc. You know the simplest answer? Because I said, Lord, quick, I need wisdom. And I said, I've got absolutely no right to condemn you at all. I'm a sinner, just like you are. But you and I both need a saviour because there is a God who's holy and righteous and he does have the right 
to condemn what you're doing. I mean, that's where Israel Folau went wrong, wouldn't it? I mean, he wrote out a list. The list is straight out of the Bible, but he didn't give it credit as the Bible. It looked like he was making this up. Don't you make it up. Pass it on to Jesus. The truth will set you. Good. Do you know where I first saw that carved? In the stone over the entrance to my science faculty at Queensland University. And that's all there was. The truth shall set you free. And I've been involved in science now for decades. And you know one thing I found? That's a false statement. The truth never sets you free. Oh, you see, quoting half verses is the way to get totally lost. What's the rest of the verse? When you become my disciples, then you will know the truth and then the truth will set you free. I mean, isn't Putin uh, threatening to use nuclear bombs? Aren't the Americans wanting to supply the Ukrainians with this sort of weapon and that sort of weapon? And whoever wins, I tell you what, most people won't be free. They'll be dead. The truth doesn't set you free at all. Jesus sets you free. You, you, you need to get these absolutely true because, you see, just recently it rained. Just recently it flooded in Australia. Have you noticed? I mean, we went for a drive down to Sydney the other week and you could see where the floodwaters had been. But some friend of mine in outback South Australia sent me this picture because it had flooded all through the outback of South Australia. Oh, isn't that a weird-looking little creature? And do you know what its name is? T-R-I-O-P-S. You never heard of one. You've probably never seen one. But if you remember, sometimes you could get American journals, uh, you could get National Geographic, and they'd be advertising bottles of sea monkeys for sale. This is sea monkey. They'd sell you the eggs, which would last forever. That's why they live in the desert. And they only hatch out every 10 years, every 20 years when the rain comes. Now, that's a good protection plan. And they swim around, lay their eggs, and then they'll disappear again. Okay, um, be sure the truth will set you free, but the truth is Jesus Christ. Question, what happens if you only quote that half a verse and you're in the science faculty, the truth will set you free? You'll be very disillusioned for a start after 20 years, 30 years of finding that it simply isn't the truth because every theory you've come up with gets kicked out after 20 years, after 30 years. It gets replaced with somebody else's theory. Um, Okay, one of the things I've discovered is the world is expert at lying. They praise this guy for making up a brand new theory and then in five years there's another theory and they praise that guy even more than this last guy and none of them turn out to be true. Don't base your life on university theories. They, they'll go the way of the world very, very shortly. Oh, what's happened with this guy? There it is, the latest news, the hot stuff. On, well, they call it an ancient tadpole shrimp. It's known by a different name out here, sea monkeys and things like that. Ancient tadpole shrimp is not really a living fossil. What do they mean by that? Well, yours truly, John Mackay, is almost a living fossil. I'm getting so old, my grandchildren like to think of me that way. But in reality, it's one of the things, you can see it on our DVDs up there, The World of Living Fossils. The first DVD we ever did as we travelled around the planet filming the creatures that have not changed from the oldest known one in the rocks. You know, I've seen fossil tadpole shrimps way back in the so-called rocks near the early start of the so-called geological column. You know how I knew they were a tadpole shrimp? They look like a tadpole shrimp. And you know, Charles Darwin was the first one to say, the worst part of my theory is the record of the fossils. Look it up. It's in his chapter on geology. 
He never based his theory on fossils because he knew it didn't support his theory. He never based his theory on genetics because he knew nothing about them. And he didn't live long enough to see any change at all. This never was a scientific theory. It never was true. Oh, but back to our tadpole shrimps. So I actually clicked on the links in the newspaper and I went one step further. There it is, the original source, the tadpole shrimp triops can, how do you say that thing, are commonly considered living fossils. But a study published Tuesday in the journal of Pia, da 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 da, shows they're not living fossils. Oh, in other words, if you use tadpole shrimp as evidence of producing their own kind, we've now found evidence that they didn't. Of course, right underneath it, do you see the ad? Grow your own living fossils. Hey, something's going on here. Are they deliberately changing the facts? Well, the answer is yes, they are. Because if they find one with a tail that's this long, one with a tail that long, one with a tail that long, they say, look, it's evolving a new species. Whereas really it's like some of you. Some are tall, some are short, some are... Well, I won't go in that direction. Um, and you know you're all exactly the same kind. In fact, let me go to where they've just found some fossils. These are fossils that the Chinese government leases out to others and you can sell them, you can buy them, etc. And have a look at the actual fossils. Now, these are the ones that come from the rocks in Leoning where you find great dinosaur fossils. We've got a great fossil from Leoning up at Jurassic Ark. Come up and see us sometimes. Uh, you get a bit closer, it actually happens to be a tadpole shrimp or a triops, if you like. So going back to South Australia... They look exactly the same today as they do as the oldest ones in the rock. Of course, the one thing they don't usually tell you is the biggest tadpole shrimp I've seen is that big. Today, they're that big. But then you should know, the real history of the world is actually downhill. The real history of the world goes from good to bad when sin came in to worse and now many creatures are dying out and you don't know one that's evolving to take their place. Have a look at the book on monsters up the back. You'll be amazed at the size of some of the creatures. So warning, when the Bible says the whole world has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, when people are happy to be in their sin, they will lie to you about the facts. That's why Jesus said, you will love me with your mind. You will think. So any of you expect to sleep for the rest of the sermon, you won't. Right? Any of you expect to go out without having a brain change in, in, in the direction of God? Sorry, that's not my job. My job is to make you get activated and excited. And remember one thing. Some of you are old enough to remember when I brought Joseph here. Actually, I didn't bring him because that day was the last day I heard really well. I was as sick as a dog. He and I were supposed to be here back in 2018. And somehow or other, I got an infection in both ears and I woke up next morning and there's blood and everything all over my pillow and I can't hear a bird exceptionally well ever blew both eardrums in one night. Wow. And I've never heard exceptionally well ever since. It's ruined my singing voice. Hasn't ruined my good looks, of course. But it's, it's, it makes things difficult. I am wonderful evidence of degeneration. And so are you, no matter how old you are. But of course, over the years, we've been looking for somebody to replace me, somebody to take over and run with me. In fact, I'm still looking for somebody else here in Queensland. We made this appeal earlier this year on our Zoom program and a young man in Tasmania stepped up and now he's running our Tasmanian Museum, which you'll see more of this evening. Uh, Joseph is doing it in England. 
We need a young man here who loves Jesus, loves his word, knows his science, but wants to win people, not arguments. That's the important difference. I'll be blunt. There are many people involved in apologetics. They love and they're skilled at winning arguments. We need to be skilled at winning people for Christ. Hmm. Okay, look. Do you realise... You see, one one of the weaknesses back in the Billy Graham days, and I love what Billy Graham used to do, was that of the thousands and thousands who came forward, how many people actually stayed true? A huge number went away because nobody discipled them. Nobody trained them. Of course, sometimes it's very tiring, particularly for the young trainee, because look what John Mackay achieved. (laughs) Hey, we're all human, right? It's just that I lasted longer than he did. As the years have gone by, and we'll speak more about this tonight, Joseph happened to meet a young lady. Uh, This young lady, by the way, is now his wife. And it was quite fascinating to listen to Joseph. Um, The last time we actually met live, he said to me, John, can we talk about marriage? And I said, sure. Turned to Ephesians chapter 5. And after his first question, I said, Joe, you don't want to talk about marriage. You want to talk about Sarah and whether you should marry her or not. Well, I tell you what, sometimes when you disciple people, you have to answer questions you don't even want to get into. Can't somebody else tell this young bloke what the bees in the book, whatever the bees are about. Um, Now they're married. Of course, they got married in the middle of COVID. What a nightmare. How many people, I remember Sarah getting on the phone, weeping to me, John, I'm only allowed five people at my wedding. And I said, well, can't you put up? No, no, we can't. We had invited 200. Now we can have five. Then the next week, now we're allowed to have 50. And then we're allowed to have 30. It kept changing. And I said, well, listen, I've got a solution. Why don't you have three weddings and invite them all separately? (laughs) Perhaps Dad didn't think that was a very economical idea. But they did get married and they ended up having only one honeymoon they actually could take to Iceland. Now, when I found they were going to Iceland, I said, listen, Joe, there's lots of rocks there that I don't have. (laughs) Now, I I didn't even think of asking Sarah, but when she got back, she said, we had a wonderful uh, honeymoon. We went to Iceland and Joe collected rocks for John Mackay. And I made a film because she's a graduate in cinematography. What a wonderful team. So you can have a look up the back. We have a great article, a great DVD, this one here. On climate change, it's available as a DVD, it's available as an MP4, it's available by streaming. Yes, we've tried to keep up with the whole of this and you can meet Joseph in the flesh, uh, or at least on DVD. Um, I've been amazed with the DVDs. When all the streaming stuff first started to happen, the sales of DVDs plummeted, plummeted, plummeted. And now they're starting to go up again a little bit because some people have found it's really hard to share an MP3 or a streaming. It's really hard to, is it, can I buy a DVD that I can give to them? Yep, you can do that, still, until they run out. Okay, we're in Proverbs chapter 3. It starts that way. My son, forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tablets of thine heart, at the table of thine heart. So shall thou find favour and good understanding in the sight of God and man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. Can you see it yet? I mean, you look at the Proverbs and you say, I see the hand of Solomon, Solomon the king. Yes, you do. 
But when you're going through scripture, there's the hand of a far greater king. My son, my son, don't forget my law. This is my son, my, my, my godly son, my son that I approve in your eyes. Have a look at the last verse. So you'll find favour and good understanding. And Jesus grew in favour and understanding because he kept his father's law. So when you want to read your Bible, remember God has often used human people to write something that not even they would have seen the long-term application of. When Noah's flood occurred, most people wouldn't have been thinking, here's a picture of Jesus Christ. It's only when you look back, we poor limited humans can see that. That's a picture of Jesus. Jesus did keep the law. Jesus did grow in favour and understanding in the sight of man. So for the remaining few moments, however long that turns out to be, uh, I want to talk about you lot because our host today was absolutely right. I've been coming here for decades. I know a lot about you, as I said in the first service. Anyone want to know any secrets? I've got them all tabbed somewhere, probably. In all your ways, acknowledge Jesus and he will direct your paths. When I first became a Christian, <coughs> my first prayer was, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I love science. I love digging up rocks. I love painting. I love music and singing. But none of those seemed to feature too high in God's plan. He actually wanted me involved in the one thing I didn't want anything to do with. Right? He got me involved in education. My mum was a teacher. I did, that's the last thing I wanted to be, was involved with these rotten little squirms, <laughs> with these idiotic, cheeky high schoolers. I didn't want any of that. But when I became a Christian, that's where God put me. I remember one of my friends who was a brilliant biochemist, right? And uh, first time I saw him at university, had a big, expensive microscope. He's looking down the microscope, doing brilliant research, Next time I met him, he was involved in the education department. I said, what on earth are you doing here with your degrees and qualifications? He said, well, it was simple. He said, have you ever tried to witness to a virus? He said, you can witness to people. You can't tell anything to a bacteria. The Lord used him mightily because he was willing to say, Jesus, where do you want me to go? Okay, you young men in here, you young women, is that your prayer? What do you want me to do? Thy will be done. You'll see the word Aramac there. I mentioned Aramac because that's a little town, first dirt track outside of Arcordon. And it was, when I first went there, it was sort of three feet, a metre thick of dust. I had a four-wheel drive sort of vehicle and uh, there was no signpost. There was just ruts. All the, rec <laughs> all the ruts led to town. And it was the only town I've ever come across that actually had a wall around it in Australia. Now, it wasn't to keep the people in and it wasn't to keep the people out. It was to stop the goats climbing over and getting into the town. There were millions of the things. But uh, when I was there, I, I became the resident pastor because they used to get a visiting pastor maybe once every three months. Hmm. So I was known, if I, any of you want to do anything with the, with the church, go and see John. So I got this strange request from a, a guy with an American accent. He said he'd come from a Bible college somewhere over on the coast. And he said, listen, I'd like to use the church to have an outreach meeting. I said, well, listen, I'm the bloke who's going to be accountable to God for what you use this church for. Uh, have you got a statement of doctrine on you? No, it's way back. I said, well, sorry, until you can show me what you are on about, I can't allow you to use the church. Now, I'm not sure how Brother Sid took that, but that was the first time I met Brother Sid. And... I think it was late the next day, he turned up with a whole file of documents, 
And I read it through and I thought, this is good stuff. I like this stuff. Go ahead and use the building. Of course, he did miss out on one day because I was so stubborn about the truth of God's word. But that's the time I met Sid Hunter. And from then on, we had a great relationship because I think it paid in his eyes to have someone who was insisting that he teach the truth. And that's what the statement of doctrine was. Can I encourage you? Sometimes you will have to appear to waste other people's time in order to get to the truth. And you've got to be willing to put up with it. But uh, Sid uh, not only actually did outreach, Sid did a book. Uh, you may remember the printing presses that used to be associated with the ministry. And Sid did a book that was a colouring in book. And the colouring in book, I thought, was wonderful. It was a dollar. I mean, it was cheap. It was nasty. It was fun. Bible verses and animals and things like that. And, you know, the interesting thing was, I think myself and Ken Ham sold thousands of those things to little kids, to mums, to schools, give them away, etc. But the reality is, you see, taking that as an idea, that's our newest one. You thought, yeah, it's time we did a Sid. So we've actually got a Jurassic Ark colouring in book. Now, there's only two in the building at the moment, and one of them's over in the bookshop, because you should be able to get this uh, from the bookshop uh, within a day or so. Jurassic Ark colouring book, because its whole purpose is to deal with an issue which is bigger today than it was when Brother Sid bought his colouring book. The devil loves dinosaurs. The sceptics love dinosaurs because they don't even have to openly attack the Bible. They can just say a comet, a meteorite, something mysterious killed off the dinosaurs 60 million years ago and the kids go, wow. And in the Christian schools, I go to a Christian school, I say, who made the dinosaurs? Oh, I know, I know. Who? God did. And then open it up for questions. How many million years ago did they die out? It's the Christian schools. The world is so successful with dinosaurs, you need to do everything you can to counteract it. So have a look at the Christian materials we've got up there. Pray for our new colouring book. Pray for the books that Ken and I took from Sid and he played a big role in our founding the creation work out here. He was the only person willing to back us yeah, financially. So don't be surprised, we do go back a long way. I'm even old enough to remember when, what was that wolf guy's name? Wolf Blake? I'd, I'd known Wolf since I was just first a Christian. And then he came over here, what was it, 1985? And that's 40-something that's years ago, Nelly. Man, have I had a lot to do with this place. But you see, Sid Hunter was willing to say, if you guys want to step out, I've got the contacts, I've got the access, I will make it possible for you. And the Lord blessed us. Um, blessed us even with skulls. Yep, I mean, let me show you one. You see... Um, Yeah, I know not too many people carry these sort of things around to the pulpit, <laughs> but they are good objective uh, lesson-making things. That's a Neanderthal skull. But you see, I'm not talking about my use of it today, although I will illustrate something with it today. I was in a school in Sydney, a Christian school, and I had all of my skulls. Some of them are pretty ghastly, by the way. Uh, I'd better get some out and show them to you. Look at that. And, and look at that. And we had a great lesson on God creating man in his image. And what did that mean? What did that mean? And there's one young man who's here today. He was a lot younger in those days. And, you know, he shared with me a little while after that, the look of those skulls was so awful. He was so scared and he didn't want to end up like that. Yeah, you, you realise you will end up like this. 
Nothing you can do to stop it. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. You will die. Are you ready for it? Because if you're not ready to die, you're in the same position Brother Dave was. Yeah, there he is right there. Right? You see, this was part of the way in which God finally got to Dave. He didn't want to die. But then I don't either. But we delude ourselves and thinking, well, I'll live forever. And when I get cancer, they'll cure it. And then they'll give me more life. No, you will die. It's coming. It might be tomorrow. It might be this afternoon. It might be 100 years from now. Who knows? But you see, through Dave and through the others here, I got to know someone called Randy Pike. Anyone remember him? And we still sort of keep in touch. And Randy's been a great encouragement over the years. And can I encourage you older Christians? If there's one thing you need to do, it's encourage the younger blokes. Now, I know Randy's still older than me. I've not managed to catch up with him yet. And he's longing to be with Jesus because, you know, like... Good illustration. I went to the chemist the other day and I got my wife to pick up a packet of Panadol. And then I leaned over the counter and I said, make that too. Because you see, you get to the stage in life where almost everything hurts. Isn't that true? I mean, we're sort of cushioned from it these days. But Randy's got to the point where everything hurts and he needs to leave this body. Yeah, aren't you glad the Christian gospel includes not just spiritual salvation, but a promise of a new heavens and a new earth and a promise of a brand new body that will never? Yeah, don't stop preaching the gospel at the end of Matthew. Don't stop preaching after he rose from the dead. Preach to the time when he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth and you will live forever and it will never hurt again and you will not get sick, and there'll be no thorns. And as a gardener, I really appreciate that part of it. Hmm. There's a few things I've learnt over the years, watching you people, watching different churches. Yes, because God has used me to go all around the planet, even to places I didn't want to go. There's a first modus operandi. You want Jesus to go to your church? Make sure you go to his first. That's the priority. Another one? Make sure your theology is based on Scripture. But always remember, Scripture is not based on your theology. That's the priority. Keep God's Word above all theological systems. Why? Well, I go to churches, and have you seen Christians fight one another about free will, predestination, etc.? Have you seen how nasty it can get amongst people who supposedly love one another and who are really out to prove my point is better than your point? Yep, it really does happen. I'll tell you one of the things I've learned. There. You can't lock God into a Calvinist box. Neither can you nail him to an Armenian cross because he's God and you're not. And whatever system you come up with will always have fallacies. Whether your name is Calvin or Jacobus Armenius, there will always be weaknesses. Can I encourage you, put the scriptures above all and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Whether you're a sportsman or a musician, whether you're an academic, whether you're a cook, whether you're a kitchen maid, in all your ways acknowledge him. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You did catch that fear, didn't you? Psychologically bad for you? No. Fearing the Lord and departing from evil is the wisest thing you can actually do. Hmm. Good shepherd. Hey, there's a girl called Annette here today. Well, she was a young girl when I first met her. She's a fair bit older now. But, you know, she blessed us for years in making our newsletters. And there's also uh, our newsletter that we still have today. Can I encourage you, if you don't receive it, 
The print copy is in the mail at the moment. I mean that literally. We packed it up last week and it's all about some of our supporters, some who've died and gone to heaven and, and, and some who are still with us. If you don't yet get that, get that and pray for us. Encourage us. You were given as you came in a list of our museums. Tonight I will take you to the evidence in all of our museums, well not all of them, but from all of them to show you God's word is true from the beginning. And continue to pray for Annette, who's a good friend to us, even as we age and become more mature, um, not necessarily better looking. Good Shepherd? You know, when I looked at some of the books that we could get from Sid and read some of the books about Mueller and, and all of these things, it encouraged me to follow the example of saints who'd lived the faith, who'd done it. You know George Mueller? God called him into a ministry to look after orphans and he did it without appealing for funds to any government agencies. He would just pray day by day. And I learnt one thing from that. Don't worry when churches oppose you. Don't worry when they try to cut your finances. Just say, Lord Jesus, you know your servant needs and supply, please. I remember my mum who uh, struggled with us going into ministry. And she came to me one day in the middle of that recession we had in the late 80s. And she said, son, tell me how you get your money again. I said, well, mum, if I need 10000 to go on an international flight, I get on my knees and I say, Lord Jesus, please give us $10,000. Don't give me that. She says, tell me how you really get it. What do you say next? I said, well, mum, if I can't tell you that, I can't tell you anything. That is exactly what we do. So if you make sure that you are asking Jesus for his will to be done in your life, can I assure you, he will provide everything you need to do that ministry. And sometimes you may need a little bit of hunger to show you what it's like before he sends you to minister to hungry people. Yeah, don't think you're going to be wealthy. This is not a charismatic God, by the way. This is a God who knows very well what you need and will supply according to his will, will supply according to the finances he has in glory. Oh, and by the way, um, no, I'm not anti-charismatic. I'm anti-people being a denomination which locks God in a charismatic box. You can't do that. There's many things that will surprise you in ministry. Now, have you talked to some of the Lebanese Muslims who become Christians? It's amazing what their testimony is. God's doing something there because I had a Lebanese man come to my meeting and he said, I've become a Christian. He was so excited. And I said, how? He said, well, I was walking along one of the main streets and he named a big town over there in Lebanon and I saw a Christian church and I was a disillusioned Muslim and I stood outside and I said, are you really God? Okay, what would you think God would do? He's actually answered that question before and it's in your Bible, but he hadn't read the Bible. And he said, all of a sudden I, I heard a voice, I am. God does that, right? And you can't limit him from not doing it. He is God. He does not fit in your box or my box. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Yes, we did play a role in getting your ACE. Remember the ACE booklets? Yep, John Mackay helped author some of your science stuff. And we did field trips. You know, take the kids out and beat the rocks. By the way, teachers, they enjoy that much more than doing math in class. Yeah, bash the rocks, relieve the frustration, etc. So continue to pray for us. Continue to pray for Annette. Continue to praise the Lord for Wolf Blake. Because when he saw what we were doing, he actually gave us our first camera. Yeah, 
first, you know, the Polaroid ones? I know some of you don't even know the meaning of that word. It's so old and so ancient. But Wolf has done all those things. And before that, I knew Glennis and Wolf from the church that had been one of the key founders and supporters of our work. But to finish off, there's something you need to get aware of. Yes, have a look at the books. Yes, learn who to give them to. Pray for wisdom about who you will share the gospel with. But remember, Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you also. Can I warn you? Put your armour on. Make sure it's thick. Don't worry about this side. Uh, The devil will attack you from the front. And watch out for the Christians who attack you from the back. It's amazing uh, what they are willing to do to destroy you if you upset their nice, comfortable uh, circumstance. If they've hated me, they will hate you. The public hatred is, is actually much easier to deal with. Doesn't the Bible warn you about the devil who goes about like a roaring lion? And then he warns you about angels of light. Beware you will see both of them if you are serious with God. Because the devil is not interested in attacking people who just have you know, five cents time worth for Jesus. He's not interested in attacking part-time Christians. He will attack you only if you are serving Jesus to the full. You're the one he's afraid of. You're the one he will try and stop. I remember doing a, a, a debate on the BBC. I remember doing a big program on the BBC. And this program had 23 million people watching it. And you think, wow, I'm a success. I'm fabulous. No, you've got to say, thank you, Jesus. There's 23 million more people who've heard the gospel now. Wow. But as soon as I finished that program, I was met by the manager of the BBC in London on the way out. And he said, I have been ordered to never allow you to appear again. (laughs) I never have. Uh, Too late. The devil missed that opportunity. It was too late. 23 million people got to hear Can I encourage you that the Lord will always use his word and it will never return empty. Even if your little church out in the bush at Aramak doesn't seem like it's getting somewhere, think 30 years, 40 years on with Sid Hunter and Good Shepherd. Think of the blessing that he can be and you can be to the world around you. Well, these things I've spoken to you. Oh, what's the rest? Well, you better look it up after we finish. Sam, I'm going to leave you a bit of mystery here. And I'm going to finish with this. Honour the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Can you take two points? Will you remember the two points? The first one is... What are you doing with your money? Or are you keeping it for yourself? Are you worried about it for the long-term benefits of your social security or long service leave or something like that? Can I encourage you? Learn the art. Ask Jesus to teach you how to be generous and give it away to those who need it on the day when you don't. It may be the lot, maybe everything you've got. But he's, he's much more generous than you are. And the next one... Don't worry about God chastening you because if you're a sinner like John Mackay, he will and you need it. Yeah. You know, I have been wrong occasionally. I think it was 1987. <laughs> yeah, no, it, to us sinners, it happens repeatedly and you do have to humble yourself and go to someone and say, I'm sorry, I was actually wrong. And sometimes the hardest person to say that to is your wife. You realise that? Yeah, it is. Or your best friend or your pastor. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. 
even as a father, the son in whom he delights. And of course, the New Testament uses that and says, just as your earthly fathers loved you enough to give you a good hiding. Yeah, that's why they did it. They didn't do it because they were masochists, even though the world sees it that way. They did it because you actually needed it. And so does Jesus. He knows that you need discipline. Can I encourage you as we quit for the morning, come and talk to us, have a look at the book tables. I'll be out there tonight. But uh, bring your friends tonight because tonight we're looking at all the evidence from our museums around the globe, the wonderful facts of faith that God has given us to reveal his truth. That's this evening. Otherwise, go to our newsletters, go to our website, encourage you to pray for us continually. Have a look at the books and uh, please pray for us and all the people I've mentioned that the Lord will continue to bless them. I'll hand back to you, sir, wherever you're hiding at the moment. There he is over there. Thank you.